0: You for tuning in to Jason DeMars Live. Every Tuesday and Friday at 7.30am Eastern Time, I teach on various biblical topics. Get in contact with me at jasondemars.com. Let me know what topics you would like me to cover in future videos. I have free books and tracks available for you to order, and shipping is free as well. Make sure to subscribe and click the little bell to get notified when I post a new video. Good morning, everyone. God bless you. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you have any questions for me uh, regarding the topic I'm covering today, the bride's position, um, feel free to ask them right while you're watching it. Um, If the question comes up uh, and and it's separate from this topic, please send it in to jasondemars.com. If you're listening in now, please send your greetings. I see Sister Sarah from Edmonton. God bless you. Sister Chantel from Madawaska, Maine. God bless you. Thank you each for listening in. I know there's a few others as well. Please send your greetings. Brother Tony, God bless you. I want to talk about... I'll be honest, I had a hard time coming to a conclusion on, on what I wanted to speak about this morning. God, God bless you, Brother John from Phoenix. Thanks for tuning in. Um, I, I It took me just to the last minute to really come to a conclusion about what I was going to speak about today. And I want to speak about the bride's position, um, probably part one. Holiness to the Lord. Revelation 19:6 through 9 and I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude and as the voice of many waters and as the voice of mighty thunderings saying, "Hallelujah for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready." Past tense. She's already made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Right blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. So here we see the bride made herself ready. She was wearing a wedding garment. It was made of fine linen, clean and white, and that was an expression of her character. So this bride has a dress on. It was neat. It was modest. She was not dressed like the whore in Revelation 17. Let's let's read that quickly. Revelation chapter 17. There is a dress that the bride is wearing. And then there's a dress that the whore is wearing. Revelation 17.3 So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast Full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, an abomination of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints. And with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus, when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. So this woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls and had in her hand uh, a golden chalice. But the bride was what? She was arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. And the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. Now, there are other types of garments, but the best type of garment you can find um, for a bride is made of fine linen, um, and it's white. The whore is dressed in scarlet and decked with... Precious stones and pearls and, uh, and, and gold and silver. So one is dressed in the garment of pride. Another is dress, dressed in a humble garment, but one that is clean and white. Both of those things are showing the character of the woman. This bride of of Jesus Christ here is humble and righteous, living a clean, holy life. The whore is full of pride and seeks to glorify herself, and is dressed that way. In the visible, u- in the invisible union of the bride of Christ, Brother Branham says. The church here in illustration that we got in view is illustrated by a woman, which a woman is always a type of the church because the church is considered a bride. A bride. She's the bride of the Lord Jesus, the Son of God. Always, if you'll watch, watch the conditions and the conduct of women and you'll see where the church is. And so God has designed that a woman be what the church is to be. The position of a woman to her husband is what the church is to be to Christ. And so the character of the church reflects the, should reflect the character of her Lord. If the, the character of the church is not reflecting Christ, we can understand that the, the, the church has become untrue to Jesus Christ, and so if you, he's saying you watch the co- conduct and the character of the women in a local church, that will t- tell you this is the condition, spiritual condition, of the church. All right. So, Psalms twenty-nine-two says, "Ascribe to the Lord, Lord the glory, due His name." Worship the Lord in the splendor, or worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The fine linen, clean and white, is the righteousness of saints. We are to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Again, this should not be this fine linen, clean and white. It's not merely an outward expression. But it's what the very life of the bride is supposed to be. God's word touches every part of our life. Every portion of our life. We are called to holiness. We're separated from the world and completely devoted to God. Every part of our lives should be an expression of how we want to love and worship and serve God We're not to be externally devoted to God. We're not to be devoted to God out of a fear of man. Our heart and mind should be totally dedicated to God out of reverence and love. Our whole heart, mind, body, and strength should be devoted to God. And this devotion is out of love. We're to serve Him with all our heart, all our soul, all our might, In Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, it says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We're to present our bodies To God, that is our spiritual worship. So, we're not just to present our hearts to God and our bodies to the world, but our bodies, our minds, our soul should be dedicated to God. That means the words that we speak, the attitudes that we have towards others, um, the things that we feed on, the the things that we the things that we watch and listen to, um, how we dress, how we wear our hair, all of this needs to be submitted to God and conformed to His to His Word, not conformed to the world. The world has a certain approach, but God's Word has a certain approach. John 15, 9-11, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. This is a bride to her husband. As the Father has loved me, there's, there's a love-heart connection. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy... May be full. Jesus gave his commandments so that we would be happy. Not temporarily happy, the happiness of the Lord, the true joy that goes down into the soul that transcends circumstance. The commands of God are not to make us miserable. Obedience to Christ out of a pure heart of love leads to the joy of the Lord. Disobedience, disobedient children of God show that there is a block between the heart of the person and their love for God. Something is not correct with their love for God. A rebellious, disobedient child of God shows that their love is somehow broken between them and God. What is my point in this? The bride, in her heart, she's, she has a love affair with Christ. She wants to please Him in all things. Modern Christianity today has left off a big portion of the Bible. They've ignored it. They've spoken of those who follow it as fanatics. it's not fanatical to obey the word of god it's a minimum it's a minimum of expression of our love to him matthew 5:27 and 28 you have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery but i say to you that whoever looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart this verse is focused on the man and that's absolutely the truth The man is responsible when he looks with lust, and he's not to look with lust. Even if the woman dresses immodestly, he is still commanded, do not look. Turn away. Turn away and don't look. And yet a woman bears a responsibility as well. If she dresses in a way that's immodest and causes the man to look, or, or we should say, tempts the man to look she in turn is guilty of the same she cannot say I can dress however I want the man must not look that would be that would be like going into a room filled with gunpowder and carrying a torch into that room you'd be foolish to do that the woman is the is like the match lighting the gunpowder on fire. What happens? An explosion of lust. The woman has a responsibility to conduct herself in such a way that it would not lead a man to lust after her. The man will be held responsible for lusting and the woman will be held responsible for um for presenting herself in a way sexually that would cause the man to lust. Modesty is commanded by the word of God. 1 Timothy 2, 9 and 10. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety not with broided hair, or gold, or pearls, or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. So this is Paul commanding a woman how she must dress. Adorn yourself, dress yourself in this way with modest clothing, modest apparel. What should this modest apparel be like, Paul? Paul. It should be characterized by shamefacedness and sobriety. Okay? Not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. Alright? Does not mean that you can't braid your hair, but in those, in those times, uh, women, to show their wealth, they would take long strands of gold and silver and pearls, and their hair would be braided with gold and pearls, to show their great wealth. Braiding the hair is just fine. Braiding the hair to show your wealth with gold and pearls and costly array is not fine. We're not to dress extravagantly to show show off our wealth. We're to dress humbly with modest apparel. So he's speaking of clothing. I don't believe in a clothesline religion. Well, you're going to have to throw away what the Apostle Paul said. He's speaking how women should dress. My God looks at the heart. Yes, He looks at the heart. But obedience starts from the heart, from a transformed heart. But obedience in the heart produces outward works and signs of faith and transformation. If you still look, dress, act like the world, it shows you have not been changed. Now, modern Christianity, of course, they've fallen away from this truth. They don't care. Women can wear bikinis, or they want to be modest, they can wear a one piece bathing suit and uh, dress in such a way where they're hanging out and um, tight clothes, tight pants. It's not modest. It's not scriptural. So Paul says, adorn themselves cosmeo, that women cosmeo themselves in modest apparel. This word cosmeo, the, the King James Version translates as adorn five times, garnish four times, and trim once. The word means to put in order, arrange, make ready, prepare, ornament, adore, embellish with honor, gain honor. It's regarding how a woman presents herself with her clothing. Now, he says, then he says, adoring themselves with modest apparel. Again, that looks like a general word for clothing. It is not a general word for clothing. It is the word catastole. this Means a, this has a, a twofold meaning a lowering down and a garment let down dress. In other words, it's speaking of a long dress, specifically one that goes down below the knees. And this long dress is characterized by, by what? How tight it is? How long the slit is? No, it's characterized by modesty. So a long slit exposing the thighs is not a modest long dress. A dress or a skirt above the knees is not a long dress. We'll show you more as we look. More in the scriptures. So then he said, modest apparel, this word katastole, modest, if you go back, adorn yourself in a modest long dress with shamefacedness and sobriety. So shamefacedness in the Greek means uh, a sense of shame or honor, modesty, bashfulness, reverence, regard for others, respect. It speaks of dressing with modesty and reverence for God. You're dressing as though you are shy. So your modest, long dress should speak of being shy, not being flamboyant, not being the center of attention, not wearing a dress, and then putting on clothes, uh, a top so tight to accentuate everything. No. Should be accentu- it should speak of shyness. So, and then the next place it says, with sh- shamefacedness and sobriety. Sobriety sobriety means soundness of mind or self-control. So a woman is to wear a modest, long dress with reverence and self-control. Self-control means you've prayerfully considered what you're going to wear. You've sought and said, Lord, is this pleasing to you? It's not following the ways of the world. we're, We're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Our clothing should express that. All right? Not to be conformed to the ways of the world, but to be transformed. The word modesty itself means to be moderate, not to the extremes. It means to be in the middle. An elaborate gown to show your riches is one extreme. Or a tight dress, tight pants... And a tight shirt is uh, another extreme to show off the figure. We don't have to wear a hijab like they do in Muslim countries, but we also don't have to wear tight clothes that accentuate the sexual attractiveness of a woman. Paul says, dress as though you are shy and have self-control. This is John Gill's commentary on 1 Timothy 2.9. The women adorn themselves in modest apparel. The word rendered apparel signifies a long robe which reaches down to the feet. And the word translated modest signifies that which is clean, neat, and decent. Yea, beautiful and ornamental. And the sense of the apostle is that he would not have them to come to public worship in rags and in dirty and filthy garments. If that's all they have, come that way but that their bodies should be covered with clean and decent raiment. So the Israelites washed their clothes that they might be ready to meet the Lord at Mount Sinai. The Jews always appeared in their best clothes on the Sabbath day. This is one of their rules. For the honor of the Sabbath, every man must be clothed with clean or neat apparel. And clothing on the weekday must not be as clothing on the Sabbath day. And if a man can make no change, he must let down his talith or upper garment, his cloak, so that his clothing may not be as clothing of the weekdays when that was girt about him. So we see there that John Gill is saying the word rendered apparel signifies a long robe, a long dress. This is the believer's commentary on 1 Timothy 2.9. Having discussed the personal requisites of the men who lead in public prayer, the apostle now turns to the things which should characterize the women who are in the congregation at such a time. First of all, he states that they should adorn themselves in modest apparel, with propriety and moderation. John Chrysostom gives a definition of modest apparel which can scarcely be improved upon. He was a, he was a minister in, uh, I think, the 5th century... Fourth century, fourth or fifth century AD. He says, "And what and what then is modest apparel, such as covers them completely and decently, and not with su- superfluous ornaments, for the one is decent and the other is not. What? Do you approach God to pray with broided hair and ornaments of gold? Are you come to a ball, a marriage feast, a carnival? There such costly things might have been seasonable. Here, not one of them is wanted. You have come to pray, to ask pardon for your sins, to plead for your offenses, beseeching the Lord. Away with such hypocrisy. Amen. All right. This is Richard Baxter, a uh, Christian Puritan from the 17th century. He lived from 1615 to 1691. He says their clothing tends to the ensnaring of the minds of the beholders in shameless, lustful, wanton passions. Though you say you intend it not, it is your sin that you do that which pro- probably will p- procure it, yea, that you did not your best to avoid it. And though it be their sin and vanity that is the cause, talking about lust, it is nevertheless your sin to be the unnecessary occasion for you must consider that you live among diseased souls and that you must not lay a stumbling block in their way nor blow up the fire of their lust nor make your ornaments their snares but you must walk among sinful <coughs> excuse me you must walk among sinful persons as you would do with a candle among straw or gunpowder or else you may see the flame which you would not foresee when it's too late to quench it Again, again, modest, that scripture, 1 Timothy 2 9. Dress yourself, order yourself, order your clothing in a modest, long dress with shyness and self control. All right. Now, in the beginning, God made man and woman naked. And they didn't know it. Many of the commentators state that they were naked, but in fact they were clothed with light. And when they sinned, this supernatural light left them. So they realized, when they sinned, they committed the original sin, they realized they were naked. And they went and clothed themselves. So there's two types of clothing that that came, and there's an an original clothing designer. In the eyes of them, this is Genesis 3.7, in the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Two sinners designed the first bikini only to cover their private parts. So they took a fig leaf and covered their their middle, their privates. God came down and found them and he said, we were naked, we hid. So when the presence of God came, even their fig leaf, they said, we are naked. So when you're wearing a bikini, if when the spirit of god comes amongst you you should say i'm naked i have to go hide i need to be clothed and god confronted them over their sin as they were naked in a fig leaf and after they were he was done confronting them says and unto adam also and to his wife did the lord god make coats of skins and clothed them god made the first sacrifice and he covered their bodies with a sacrifice. Coats of skins versus a bikini or a loincloth, you would say. They made themselves a loincloth. And God said, this clothing is not sufficient. You cannot wear this clothing. I will give you the proper clothing. So the first fashion designer was Adam and Eve. The first fashion designers were Adam and Eve. They made... Loin claws, and God says, Not going to work. Not going to work. So He makes them coats of skins. The International Standard Bible Encyclopedia says here the coat, Hebrew kutunet, was the ordinary inner garment worn by the Jew of the day in which He did the work of the day. It resembled the Roman tunic, corresponding most nearly to our long. Shirt, listen to this close. Reaching below the knees always, and in case it was designed for dress occasions, reaching almost to the ground. So when God clothed Adam and Eve, He clothed them from the neck to below the knee. I'm going to have to go to my MacBook microphone. I'm not sure exactly where I lost sound there so um, I'm assuming it was close behind there. So here we see the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia says here the coat, Hebrew kutinat, was the ordinary inner garment worn by the Jew of the day in which he did the work of the day. It resembled the Roman tunic corresponding most nearly to our long shirt. Reaching below the knee, all, knees always, and in case it was designed for dress occasions, reaching almost to the ground. So here we see when God defines this, we look at, mo- the Bible says, in modest apparel, modest long dress. When he's saying a long dress, here the word koutenet defines that. Below the knees always in case of dress occasions reaching almost to the ground so when they were working they would wear something that went below the knee all right they always wore something that went below the knee when they were working but when it was something that was for a dress occasion they wore it to go all the way to the ground now i'm not saying we have to do it exactly that way but what i'm saying is the word modest long dress if that dress or skirt does not go below the knee, that means it is not a modest long dress. If you're sitting down and it rises above the knee and you have to constantly pull, 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 pull down to keep it down, it means that the skirt is too short. It should fit comfortably below the knee when you sit down so that you don't have to be constantly on guard of your modesty because the skirt is too short. Again, the the clothes should be characterized by shamefacedness and sobriety, self-control and shyness, not pushing the limits. Why does everybody want to push the limits all the time? That's the world that we live in. Everybody, that's the age we live in, Push the limits. So God shows in this that the immodest fig leaf was unacceptable. He shows in this, clothes are given to cover the body. Clothes are not given to accentuate every curve. Clothes are given to cover the body. From the neck area to below the the knees, not revealing the breasts or the thighs. Deuteronomy 22, verse 5. A woman shall not wear a man's garment, nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the, to the Lord. A woman is to wear a dress or a skirt. A man is to wear Pants. You say back in the Bible times they wore they both wore um, a dress, so to speak, a tunic. Okay, that's true. That's absolutely true. Men also did wear pants. A woman is to wear a dress. A man is to wear pants. See, I don't believe that. God has proven this over and over again by His Word. Brother Branham says, And you Pentecostal women what not let your girls put on them old vulgar-looking clothes and get out on the street. Then talk about juvenile delinquency. Not only do they do it, but mammy, you do it too. Oh, you say, I don't wear them shorts. I believe that I, they call it that. And halter necks. I don't wear them. I wear slacks. The Bible said a woman that'll put on a garment that pertains to a man, it's abomination in the sight of God. That's what the Bible says. It's very clear. It's very clear that pants were garments for men. That's what they were. That's what they have been. They were never garments for a woman until it was developed that way and finally reached that point where it was the norm because of American culture and history. A hundred years ago, in Christian society, it would have been unthinkable for a woman to wear pants. Absolutely unthinkable. It was considered immodest and unscriptural. So what is the origin of pants for women? It's the feminist movement. Women declaring their independence and that they do not need their husband to be the head of the house. (coughs) She's rejecting the God-ordained authority of man. Not the misused an abuse of authority of man, but the God-given leadership of man. In the early 1900s, homosexual fashion designers began to make pants for women. The, the debate about women wearing pants continued on up until the early 1960s when designers began making blue jeans for women. Before that, they, it was unthinkable to do that. You say, oh, who ultimately says pants pertain to a woman? God sent a prophet and vindicated this truth. And you women putting on these little old pants and things and wearing them out here, knickerbockers or whatever it is. That's, it's shorts, the long legs and them pedal pushers and overalls, dungarees. Go, go and they said, this is for the ladies. I said, no, you're mistaken. Ladies don't wear them things. Women might, but ladies don't. That's right. The Bible said it's an abomination for a woman to put on a garment that pertains to a a man. And a man is becoming more sissified every day and women are becoming more masculine. Cultures and times change. You gotta get with the times, right? Culture and times do change, but the distinctions between man and woman do not. A woman wearing pants is wearing man's clothing. A feminine article of clothing is not pants. Everyone knows this. It's a dress or a skirt. A manly article of clothing is pants. This is just common sense and common decency. We have a confusion in our, in our world today over who's a man, who's a woman, what's a man, what's a woman. Where did it start? It started right here when women started to put on a pair of pants. It started from that, and it was homosexual fashion designers purposely pushing this on the women. When World War II came around, it brought massive change in the world. It went from the old world to the new world. The new world, the women were in the workplace. The women worked in factories. The women wore pants. The women dressed indecently, cut off their hair, put on a ton of makeup to be sexy. The word of God asks us to dress with modesty and follow certain standards. Places of business still do this today. Modesty and decency are required in the workplace. I remember working at a bank and there was a a girl working there on the teller line and she was hanging out everywhere and we had to g- grab one of the all the, all the um, managers there were men so we had to grab one of the more senior bankers and say can you please have a discussion with her that she can't dress this way it's against the policies of the workplace if a workplace has standards what about God what about the word of God This is important this is key this is critical why women what did we read at the very beginning Always if you watch watch the conditions and the conduct of the women and you see where the church is don't push the envelope don't see how close you can get to the world don't compare yourself with the world and say, I dress better and more modestly than the world. We're not to compare us. If you compare yourselves with ourselves, you're unwise. What are we to line ourselves up with? We're to line ourselves up with the word. Not with the world and be a little bit better than the world. We're to be obedient to the word. The word says dress modestly. It's not just about wearing a dress. we focus too much on deuteronomy 22 5 and say well as long as i'm wearing different type of clothes than a man it's fine no it needs to be modest it needs to be a long dress below the knee it needs to be it it should be considered as your your dress should be considered as shy and have that you have self-control amen Well, I'm just going to bring it to a close there. Um, On Friday, we'll continue looking at the bride's position and how the woman types that. The bride is dressed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. The outward dress of the bride expresses the inward character that's in the heart of the bride. May the Lord richly bless you.